Welcome to Money Mile. I am your host, Justin Waller, and I am happy you are here. We like to think of Money Mile as standing at the corner of triathlon and personal finance. We believe that age group triathletes are the lifeblood of our sport, and we want to shine the light on some good people doing great things in our sport. Today, we have a very special guest on Money Mile. We are joined by Pam Coley. Pam is a successful business owner of a family owned and operated business. She is a mother and grandmother, a self-proclaimed, just an average person who enjoys triathlon. She improved her finish time at Chattanooga 70.3 by 40 minutes from the prior year. She also finished eighth in her age group at Ironman Coeur d'Alene, qualifying her for a Kona World Championship spot. We are going to talk about Pam's journey and how she got started with triathlon. We will talk a little bit about her business. Also, Pam is going to share some of her tips on dealing with anxiety. Be sure to listen to the end because Pam is going to share with us her feelings on fear. Some really good stuff in here. This is one of our special interview episodes, so it will be a bit longer than normal episode. There will be a brief intermission and form check opportunity in the middle-ish as well, so look forward to that. If you are receiving the Money for the Long Run newsletter, we will have the show notes and links in your email inbox, so you can check into that stuff when you're back at your computer. But for now, drop your shoulder blades into your back pockets, pick your eyes up, and make sure you have a nice forward lean from the ankles, and listen up to this conversation with the one, the only, Pam Coley. Pam, welcome to Money Mile. Well, thank you so much for having me today. I was looking through some of the information that you had provided, and I've, I've got a ton of questions, but let's roll it back. Let's start back at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with triathlon, how you got introduced to this great sport? Absolutely. Um, well, it was back in 2007 when I met my husband. Well, my husband-to-be, we were just dating at the time, and he was training to do Ironman Florida, and I thought he was a little mad. You know, he would go out on these 100-mile rides and these bricks, you know, he would come back and, and talk to me about it. And I had agreed to become his Sherpa. I didn't even know what a Sherpa was at the time, but I was going to come out and I was going to help support him for his his big day. I was just in awe by the grit, the determination of so many of the different athletes who were there. And I was just so surprised. It was, you know, people of all shapes and sizes and, you know, just laying it all out there. And I was just, I was so impressed. And I wasn't at that time thinking, oh, this is really something I want to do. But yeah, I think by the time he finished and he crossed that finish line, uh, it had certainly sparked some interest. So, you know, roll forward a couple of years. Uh, we have my daughter who had recently had a baby and she was dealing with a little bit of postpartum depression. And we were sitting around the dinner table having supper one night and he had set a challenge for us and said, why don't we do a super spring? And so we set out on that adventure and that training. It was a, a super sprint race that you probably could have walked around the bridge to finish the swim portion. But to me, it was it was bigger than a full Ironman. And I remember I was so full of fear and I cried. I mean, it was just, it was very emotional, but it was back at that dinner table when we were sitting around the round table and he set a challenge for us. And, and that's what started it all. It's his madness. He's, he's been training and 
doing Ironman now for since about 1999, I think it was. Wow. So, so we can blame it all on him. We absolutely, absolutely. I blame him all the time and he's been dealing with some injuries right now. So he's been having to sit on the sideline and he doesn't love that, but uh, we're working on that. Well, I I can imagine. But uh, so now he gets to live vicariously through you and your epic adventures in triathlon, at at least for the moment. But we we certainly wish him uh, a speedy recovery and back to full health soon. So uh, also now that makes me curious. uh, So is your daughter still involved with triathlon? Oh, absolutely. And my granddaughter. So it's become a family affair. (laughs) Fantastic. That's great. Very good. I found over time that success means different things to different people. And I'm kind of curious, Pam, how do you define success at this point in your life? Well, you know, that question, it has a whole lot of different meanings to me. So it, it depends whether or not we're talking about triathlon or we're talking about business. And and so really, when I think about it in terms of triathlon, I think of it, am, am I going in and am I competing or am I just trying to complete a race? So for example, that would be, Uh, When I went to Nice and I competed at the 70.3 and I had done the world championship there, I had just come out of shoulder surgery. And so I was in recovery and I wasn't sure I was going to go, but I had to change the mindset of, well, you're just going to go and you're going to take in the experience and you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. And so I was out there and I, you know, I was like Mary Poppins on my bike, sitting up and smiling and, and barely making the cutoffs. But, you know, to me, success was finishing that race after coming out of, a surgery, because that was really hard for me. Whereas, you know, you go into something like the race that I did this past year to qualify for Kona, or this this year, just a few months ago, you know, I went into that competing, you know, I was giving it all, giving it my all. So it really, you kind of have to, depending on your goals. And with business, you know, when I think about it, there's different levels there with with business, which I'm a workaholic. So it's the financial freedom, uh, you know, freedom of time. There's, there's just so many different ways that I see success, but with my business, we have set some core values and that's, you know, make it right, make it count and make it meaningful. So if I am incorporating those core values in my everyday living, then that's success to me. Thank you for sharing all that. So Pam, can you tell us a little bit about the the business that you run and kind of what you're involved in there from a professional perspective? Absolutely. So my husband and I, we started, I've been in real estate for 20 years. My husband and I started a property management company. We had met somebody, she's international and, and we got together and we started buying, renovating and tenanting the properties. So we started our business we started the business 10 years ago, where we actually formally opened up the doors. And so we've gone from zero doors to we manage just about a thousand doors now between two states. So we have an office in, in Georgia and we have an office in Alabama. So I'm a workaholic, but I love it. And it's a family owned and operated. So it's my daughter, my son, my daughter-in-law. And then we have you know many other employees that are like family to us now. That is amazing. Just to make sure that I heard that right. As an organization, you're managing 1,000 doors. Just about. That, that's a goal for us. So we're almost there. So pr- pretty close to that. All right. Well, p- by the time this podcast airs, you might be there. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. It's really providing an opportunity for others to build wealth. You know, so I love the idea of working with other investors and helping to build their portfolios. 
That's great. Well, congratulations on the success there as well. Uh, the majority of our conversation today is going to be around triathlon, but it sounds like things business-wise are going great also. Uh, so that that's <laughs> fantastic. So as I mentioned before, uh, we do think of the Money Mile as standing at the intersection of triathlon and personal finance. So from your perspective, what would you consider to be the best investment in the form of time, energy, or money that you've made in your athletic career? Uh, investing in myself. And that was by hiring a coach and having that I had very limited knowledge and didn't know how to put together a plan. I found somebody who we'll talk about probably a little bit more later, but she's been truly an inspiration to me. And she has taught me uh, about self-discipline and nutrition and all the things that you need to know. I'm looking forward to that. And yes, I'm sure we will dig in more on your on your coach and the specifics there. So part of what brought you to our attention here is that you had a great race at Chattanooga 70.3 this year, improving your time from last year, from the 2022 race by 40 minutes. Did I get that right? I think so. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. Could you tell us a little bit about how you prepared for this race and how you felt after crossing the finish line? Yeah, absolutely. Well, number one, Chattanooga is a great venue and it's hard not to to want to really do well there because there's such great, you know, the spectators there and the the volunteers. I mean, it's just, it's a great race. It's a great venue, but I, I think really uh, consistency is the key. It's a commitment. It's always a challenge. It's like, okay, I did this race. What do I need to do now to make myself a, a little bit better? Is it the swim? Is it the bike? Is it my transition times? You know, what can I do to shave off the time a little bit? And so there are certain things I've been working on, definitely the swim, which is my weakness. But, you know, I, I really do think just the consistency. I, I get a little obsessed with the training peaks. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's the, the platform that you use for uploading your data. I really love the color green. So I want to make sure to turn everything green and I'll move things around in order to make sure that I get the greens for the week. So I think as long as I'm meeting those, those daily goals, which is not always easy with business, you know, or, or just with life, I'm just an ordinary person, you know, who loves to, to train the opportunity to be able to, to be out there and just be by myself and think about the day. So I, I guess that's how I prepare for a race is to do what I'm told to do. <laughs> Which is great. It, it sounds like from your coach's perspective, you're probably a, a gold star athlete uh, for sure. Lots of green and and uh, the commitment that you're displaying there. Well, I have a little switch. So, you know, I think some people too, and I call it, I'm, I'm kind of switched on. So I mean, I'm sometimes tend to be all in or all, all out. So I'm like a pendulum and I, I have a hard time finding balance. And so when I do find that balance, that consistency, then I, I find that I, I perform better. So that increased consistency, uh, is that what you would attribute that 40 minute improvement year over year in that 70.3 distance race? Or is there some other component of that that just that really clicked on race day for you? Probably nutrition. I struggled a little bit of nutrition. So, you know, I used, they used to tease me because I would carry around this fanny pack around my waist and I would basically bring a buffet with me wherever I was going. And so I would have my potatoes or my, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it, it was great. And that's, you know, how I trained up, but it seems like when I kind of got away from all of that and, and had less digestive problems and went a little bit more of liquid and gels that I began to perform better. So I think my nutrition had a lot to do with that. So it sounds like a couple of things coming together there, the consistency, figuring out the nutrition plan, all of those things coming together uh, resulted in, along with a lot of hard work, obviously you put in a lot of hard work and you earned that, an impressive improvement year over year. So kudos to you. 
Well, thank you. That's a great race. I think I've done it like five times. Oh, yay. Although it's big. It's a big race now. I've heard that. I've, I have not done Chattanooga myself. Uh, and I, I just heard recently that uh, there there's some efforts to bring back Louisville. So uh, there's some uh, some interesting events out there on the horizon. I have to get back out there and look at some some other events. So Chattanooga was not your only significant performance for the year. Uh, you also had an incredible race at Ironman Coeur d'Alene just a few months ago and finished eighth in your age group and qualified for the world championships in Kona. So congratulations for that. Thank you very much. So could you tell us a little bit about your experience at Coeur d'Alene and, and how you're looking ahead to Kona? Absolutely. Well, I guess I need to start that, you know, it was last year, I had the privilege of going to Kona to watch my coach and my and some of my friends who were racing. And that was in 2022. And it that was just it inspired me, I was just so emotional to see you just know that the dedication and that those people have put into to being there, you know, they've made sacrifices. And it was just just such a cool experience. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, you know, can can I do this? And, you know, of course, we do that self-doubt thing. And I was like, no, they're so fast. I can't do this. And I remember I was even talking to my daughter about it. And she even said, mom, those, those girls are too fast, you know, and I'm like, mm, tell me I can't and I will. So um, I think I came back and I really said, you know, I, I can. I started looking at some of the times and just saying, you know, I think if I, I stayed dedicated and committed that. I would be good. I wasn't originally signed up for Coeur d'Alene. When I, when I came back from Kona, just as a spectator, I was talking with my coach and we had decided that I was going to do Lake Placid. And so I was training at the time for Lake Placid. And she had come to me about a month before Coeur d'Alene and she had sent me this text and it said, so with lots of O's and lots of dots. And I, you know, I have this idea. And before you make a decision, don't do this knee jerk reaction and just tell me no. And I said, all right, well, let's hear it. Because, you know, she always has the great ideas, but she had said that she thought that Coeur d'Alene might be a good choice for me. She had raced that race several times and she thought that it would play on some of my strengths. There was also, it was a smaller playing field. So there were less participants and there was still the equal amount of spots for Kona. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, what, what do I have to lose? I talked to my husband about it because it was a major commitment. It was coming up quick, financial, everything else, you know, it's like, can we do this? And then I said, well, if this is truly my goal, then this is what I've been training for. And this is really what my coach feels is the best opportunity for me. Let's go ahead and go, go do it. And so I signed up and a month later we were in Coeur and it was a, a magnificent place to be. I mean, it was just so beautiful and so majestic. And I remember her taking me on the bike course because she had come out too. She had raced with me. We were driving the course before the race. And I was like, oh my word, what did I get myself into? I mean, these are some mountains. It wasn't as bad as it looked, I have to say, in the car, you know, driving it, it always seems a little worse than it is when you're on your bicycle. But I remember the morning of the race, yeah, I tend to have a little bit of anxiety in the water, like a lot of people. And I remember just I had this peace and this calm that came over me and and I had the, the, the swim of a lifetime. And I remember just each buoy along the way, you know, I would pray or meditate over, you know, a family member, my grandchildren, my friends, just different events. And, and that kind of got me through the swim and it was great. And then I 
I sang songs in my head on the bike and I was even talking to my mom. She's passed. And I remember a biker coming by me and I was like, no, nah, don't worry about it. I'm just talking to my mom. I didn't want him to think I was kind of nutty, but you know, I really had a great bike. And then when it came to the run, my husband, I came off the bike and I had, I was behind about, I guess it was about number 17 coming off the bike. And so I knew that I had some making up to do on the run because he kind of whispered, you know, they let you know, Hey, you need to pick up the pace. And so he encouraged me along the way, told me to get gritty and put it all out there. And so I just, I, I allowed myself to walk a little bit through the, the aid stations. I knew that I was passing some people, great people, you know, you just encourage everybody along the way. And when I crossed that finish line, it was a pretty amazing experience. I pretty much knew at that point that I was in, I thought I was around the top 10. And I thought that that might be enough to earn me a spot. And, and then I went over to the bushes and I threw up and I was really sick and probably should have went to medic, but I can tell you that there, I put it all out there. I had nothing left in me. Yeah. It was kind of a blur from there, but yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing experience. Well, kudos to you that uh, it it seems like you definitely earned it with, with an experience like that, that kind of uh, sparks a little bit of curiosity in me as well. So did you end up doing Lake Placid as well, or did you just switch out of that race and, and solely switch to I had kept that registration in case I had some sort of technical or if I, I didn't qualify, I still had that course to fall back on. And last year, when I had signed up for it, I had signed up with my husband and my business partner. So we're all three, you know, in the business. And so my husband had the injury, so he wasn't going to be able to participate. And then my business partner, he was still participating. So I got to go and enjoy the race. But as a Sherpa and a spectator, no, I did not participate. But I did get to swim on the course and, you know, play a little bit. So that was amazing. With your experience, what would you consider to be the most underrated aspect of triathlons? Nutrition. Absolutely. Spot on. I think that. You got to play with it a little bit because everybody's body's different. And so don't be afraid to try something new. And triathletes always want to share their experiences. So um, I think that is huge. And then I think that another thing that I tend to do sometimes is I forget to respect the distance. And so we kind of go in and we give a little bit too much too fast and we, we don't tend to hold back when maybe we should. So I think just respecting the distance, get your training in. I think sometimes we... We don't get the training in when we're told to, and, and then it hurts a lot worse later on. Okay. And so you mentioned that you had your nutrition strategy, if you will, has evolved from uh, bring your own buffet uh, <laughs> to a more uh, more specific uh, liquid focused uh, nutrition program, it sounds like now. Are there any things that you, you think of that would be a really uh, a good highlight for others to know about, or was it really just guess and check within your system to figure it out for you? I think with my coach, she really kind of helped me narrow down understanding some of the struggles that I was was having. But then I started training with what was on the course. But the Morton gels, I really like the scratch that the high calorie scratch that you can drink. And 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 so the combination between those two. And I was using some of that because it is found on the course. And you never know if you're gonna lose it. I know so many people who have lost a bag and they don't get it on their, you know, second loop and and so they're suffering. So I would really tried to focus with what was available on the courses. Well, it's, it sounds like uh, other than the right at the end of Coeur d'Alene, the nutrition stuff really worked well for you throughout the day. Yeah, it was great up until like that last, that last four miles. And then I started like, you know, at that point, well, I'm just going to try anything. I was 
taking down some soups and doing all the things that just to, to try to, you know, it's hard. It, it's not easy. If it was easy, I guess everybody would do it. And that mile 17 usually is when it starts to kind of settle in and just. Well, you you found a system that, that worked for you and got you close enough that you were able to scratch and crawl your way to the finish line and uh, things went well for you there. So we're, we're really happy for you with that. Thank you. So what part of triathlon is your strongest, your weakness, your weakest, and, and give us a little bit of background of, of kind of where, where your strengths and weaknesses come from. Okay. So I kind of, I do, I actually struggle a little bit with panic disorder, anxiety. And so the swim to me is, is very scary. You know, I've, I've had those panic attacks like everybody else. And it, it seems to be, I'm not, the, I'm not the only person. So, you know, I think that's what I had to recognize is that even the best of the best do have some sense or a little bit of anxiety sometimes getting into the water. And I think part of that was just learning to conquer my fear, fears, get out there, you know, get yourself in, do some open water swims. Again, respect the distance. If you've never done a triathlon before, you probably don't want to just jump into, you know, your first race, never having done an open water swim before, because you will end up like my husband on his first race. You know, he came in on his back last and he literally came in last on his back. So, you know, I mean, again, respect the distance. So I've come a long way in the swim, but it is not something I love to do. I do it as a means to get to the bike. I love the bike. I want to continue to, to to get stronger, but again, you have to put the time in. And so I, I am putting in the time to get stronger on the bike. I love to run. You can have a bad day. And, you know, sometimes like with a bike, I don't love to be on the trainer. I love to be outside. So easy, if I come home and I'm had a, having a bad day, I may just go take the dog and go run a few miles because it's a place for me to be able to clear my head. You know, it's one of those things you dread it and then you do it and you're like, oh, I'm all better. I'm a nice person again. So it really works for me and kind of keeps me grounded, but I love them all together. The bike is just probably my least favorite. The run probably is my favorite. It is time for a quick form check. Money Mile is powered by Waller Financial Coaching, a full-time fiduciary financial planning firm. If you want to improve your financial form and improve your financial independence, you can get a copy of Financial Independence for Triathletes by texting Money Mile, one word, to 33777. You will also be added to the Money for the Long Run newsletter. Again, text Money Mile, one word, to 33777. Now let's check in on that running form. If you have your own form cues, please use those. If not, here are mine. Drop your shoulder blades into your back pockets. Bring your eyes up to the horizon and lean forward from the ankles for the rest of this episode of Money Mile. If it's okay with you, I'd like to dig in on this just a little bit because I, I have heard of other athletes dealing with panic and anxiety in the water. I was hoping you might be able to share with us a couple of tips that help you perform so well as you have. Do you have any tips that our, our community might benefit from? Get out of your own head and find somebody else who's struggling because if you're helping somebody else, it will really help you. If I'm feeling fearful and I find somebody else who maybe it's their first race and I'm able there to give them some words of encouragement or be by their side where they're getting started, I mean, that is a great tip. I don't like to be at the front. I think you have to seed yourself correctly. I think that if you're not a strong swimmer, you shouldn't be starting at the beginning because then you're just going to have people swimming on top of you, which is not, a, it's not safe. You know, so it, it's okay. It's not going to really 
couple minutes isn't going to make or break your race in the in the swim. That's my opinion anyway. You know, that's been my experience and you can make it up in your transitions or what have you. If you have the opportunity to get in the water before the, the start of the race, just to be able to get your heart rate down and kind of work out some of the, the anxiousness, mm. um, that's great. And, and I, I, you know, those are, those would be my, my tips that work for me. And again, I, I really love the idea of one buoy at a time. I will swim to the outside. I don't need to be in the middle of everybody else. So I think it really has to do with looking at that buoy, one buoy at a time, taking it in little chunks. Like I said, I, in, in the last race was being able to pray about a family member, you know, for until this buoy, I'm going to think about all the wonderful things about my husband. And then I'm going to think about, you know, my grandson and my granddaughter and heck, throwing the dog. But, you know, I mean, it's just a time for me to reflect and, and be grateful for the opportunity to have the health and, and the wealth to be able to do some of these things because it's pretty awesome. Oh, that's great. That, uh, tons of good tips in there. So thank you very much for sharing. I'm sure our community is definitely going to benefit from that. So thank you. You're welcome. So what would you consider to be the biggest mistake that you've made while training or racing? Uh, not taking in enough nutrition. If you're not eating, you're, you're going to sabotage your race, you know, and sometimes when you can't eat is when you really need to eat because you need to have the nutrition, the electrolytes. You know, I've learned a lot about electrolytes and just, you know, being able to take in enough salts and all those things. But if if you're not taking them in, you're going to you're going to sabotage your race. It sounds like you figured out the, you know, going from the buffet to the focused nutrition and the stuff that works for you. You've figured that out. Lots of people can sympathize with the idea of, okay, I really do not want to choke down another gel at this point, but recognizing sometimes you still have to do it and, and working through those things to fuel your body appropriately. Um, you're asking big things of it, especially on race day. So being able to put up with that. Indeed. So uh, what would you consider to be your favorite triathlon that you've competed in? There's always a little something that I love about each one of them, but I would say my favorite uh, race was probably in Cozumel. And that is probably, you know, the experience. That's where I was able to podium and I got first in my age group and I qualified for the world championship and I got to swim with dolphins and, you know, we turned it into a trication. So we always try to, that's one of the reasons why we do it is stay fit, stay healthy, stay grounded and, you know, for the business part of things and then be able to, to go places. So we're working on our health at the same time. And it was magical. I'm not sure I'd want to go back only because I had such a wonderful experience. I don't want anything to taint it. You know, it's like, I don't want to go back and it be pouring rain or, you know, all the things that can happen because, you know, the fishing and the people were fantastic and, and they have the best awards banquet ever. I mean, you get to stand up there with your big old medal and the lights are on you and they get feed you. And yeah, it's just pretty special. Oh, that sounds great. I, I have heard really good things about Cozumel. I've not been there myself. I love your the term you use, the trication, turning that in, into a, an adventure for your family, going exploring some new places. That's fantastic. So much good stuff in there. Thank you. Would you consider there to have been a turning point in regards to your training? And, and if so, what did that look like? It's really happened most recently. You know, it's really when I decided that I was going to take it seriously and and, and try to, to qualify. Not that I never took it seriously before. I mean, training for my first Ironman, which was in Chattanooga, I did, I think it was 2016. I would say that, you know, there's always a little 
part of each race because you're setting yourself new challenges along the way. It's like, oh, so, you know, so each one is kind of a turning point in its own, in my opinion. But I mean, obviously this world championship and going to Kona is pretty huge. And, and that's been my goal. Yeah, I think we always say, oh, I wish I could go. But then you always have that self-doubt. And so can I be that fast? Can I be that good? But it's any given Sunday. I mean, sometimes you have a great race. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes the best of the best have a flat tire and they don't finish. I mean, there's so many different things. I think that's what I love about the sport. It's just always changing. Being able to put yourself out there, put your best foot forward and and see what happens on race day. Just do your best. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you're racing yourself. It's, it's really just putting everything that you have. I mean, it, it, to me, the races are just a celebration of all the training. I love the journey. I love training. I love being with my, my girlfriends and being out there and riding and, that's awesome. You know, that's what it's all about. So to me, when you get to race day, it's just a celebration of all the training that you've done. That's great. That's great perspective. I know a lot of us get wrapped up around the the race day itself. And that can that can be a a source of anxiety in and of itself. But being able to, to look at the race as the celebration of all the training and all the hard work that you've put in, I think that's a great perspective and a great way to look at it. Uh, because ultimately, you're right. You could get a flat tire out in the middle of nowhere and, and essentially your day be over, but you can still have a great race if you're doing the best that you can on the day uh, and put it out there. So I, I love that perspective. Uh, so a couple of other questions here, and I, I appreciate you, you, all of your your insights here, Pam. So when training or racing with other women, what are some key differences that you see as, as part of being uh, some of the best things of the women's triathlon culture these days? I just love how everybody supports one another. You know, I've done some women training camps and stuff like that. I, I just love the way that ladies come together and encourage one another and lift one another and it's not always so competitive, you know, where everybody's trying to beat somebody else, but it's really how they can share their, their experiences with you to help you become a better athlete. People from all different, like I said, shapes, sizes, cultures, it's just, it's fantastic. It's awesome. Women are awesome. You know, no offense, men are awesome too, but you know, I mean, I just love, you know, being out there just to be able to talk about life, you know, whether or not you're out there riding your bike and you're talking about your family life and your business life, it's just a way to connect and be out there and to experience the world in, in, in a beautiful way. That's great. And, and I agree. Women are awesome. Uh, <laughs> men are awesome too. And that's okay. I think especially within within the triathlon community, we, we have to recognize that that we are a unique community. We're not a, a lot of couch potatoes you know, waiting for life to happen to us. We're out there doing stuff, active things, active adventures in the world. There's plenty of awesome to go around. Yes. Uh, so I, I think that's great. And, and I, I have certainly seen that in my racing over the years that all shapes and sizes, people doing stuff, great experiences, great stories. Uh, so again, all, all the more reason why I appreciate you setting aside some time to chat with us today. So thank you. Who do you admire most in the sport today? My coach, hands down. Um, her, her name is Kim Bramblett. She is, I don't know if they, you know, but she is uh, with multi-sport. We have been coaching together since 2013. She is, she's humble. She's going to be doing her 30th Ironman in Kona this year. And she has several people that she's coached, but if you were to sit down and talk with her, you wouldn't even know it. You know, it's, it's, she's not one to boast. She is a great teacher. She is, she's my mentor. I love her. She inspires me. She inspires me to be a better person. And, and she's can be very firm. You know, she doesn't put up with a lot when I say that, you know, I mean, she knows me well enough to say, Hey, 
hello. Or, or what was it like a couple of weeks ago? She's like, oh, I hope you have a really good ride today. You know, and this was at three o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, she just knows me well enough to, to keep me in check. So I love that. I love what she does for the community. She puts on different races around. She does the youth triathlon. She does some of the local club races. And so she's really put in her time for the community and, and to inspire others. And, and I love that. So she's a good friend. That's great. It's, it's, and it's Kim Bramblett correct? It is. And could you tell us uh, kind of like uh, if somebody wanted to learn more about Kim and, and the coaching that she provides, can you tell us uh, kind of where they would find uh, some information about Kim? She's online. So it's under multi-sport performance and that's in, out of Peachtree City. And there are a couple uh, coaches, Tiffany and Kim Arch and Kim Bramblett. They, they're all there. And, and I just think that they're all very good. It's not a huge group, but it's, it's a great group and we have a lot of fun together. A lot of experience. So if we are doing this correctly, the folks listening to this podcast would likely be out in the middle of their long, steady run somewhere. So I'll include in the show notes a link to her website as well. Uh, so we have some reference information there uh, in case folks want to follow up. So no need to stop your long run and try to take notes. Uh, it, it'll be in the show notes when, when you get back from your run. At this point, I think I know the answer to this next question. But what would you consider your A race for this year? Uh, it's definitely going to be Kona. <laughs> okay, very good. And how far out are you from Kona at, at this point, at the recording of this one? Uh, let's see, I'll be leaving, uh, was a week, three weeks, about, um, about three and a half weeks out now. Three and a half weeks out. I've got my big long ride, ride tomorrow. I've got another long week, but I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. How do you feel about your fitness at this point? I'm fearful for the swim, of course. So I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Um, I am really, I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to to all of it, just to be able to experience it. I took so many pictures last year. And so I've been looking at the swim course and I put it up on my computer so I can look at it every day and just remind myself that you've done this. You got this, you can do this. I'm, I'm glad my husband's coming with me. And so it's going to be a wonderful, we're going to take a little bit of vacation off that. We're going to do a, turn it into a trication. So we're going to do a little exploring after. But yeah, I'm getting excited. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready. Okay. So a couple more long weeks in your taper, but you're feeling ready at this point. <laughs> big brick tomorrow. Last real big brick. So Okay, so so I have to ask, big brick tomorrow. What what does that look like for you? Like how how much of a bike ride and how long of a run are you are you planning on? Sure. Well I'll do a hundred and five miles tomorrow on the bike, and then I will get off and I will do five miles minimum off the bike. You know, because you got to keep yourself healthy too. So you don't want to do too much. And then I've got a, a 17 mile run the following day. So this has been kind of a big swims, big bikes, big runs. As we go with Iron Distance Triathlon, that's that's kind of <laughs> the, the state of the world. And we know that 90 oh, plus percent of the population would hear that and think we're crazy, but we look forward to it. I have to say, I am looking forward to riding my bike with friends tomorrow. So you've got some friends to ride along for the whole 105 miles? I do. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Who are also participating. So um, we're going to go out and do it. I actually came to our other office to ride with some friends since I kind of go back back and forth between two states. The idea of 100 miles on a train, it sounds dreadful. So I think theoretically it could be done. I know others have done it. I've done it. The, there are so many other things I'd like to do with my life rather than, than ride a trainer for a, a hundred theoretical miles. Yeah, but it's good training. You know, it is good training because if you can do that, my goodness, just think how wonderful it would be to be out on the road. 
Yeah, it's it's all about that perspective. Right. <laughs> if you could if you could pull that off, yeah, you could do pretty much anything. So, right. all right. Uh, so, a couple of other questions. I'm just thoroughly enjoying our conversation here, Pam. So, thank you so much. So, has there been an investment that was a significant waste of time, energy, or money for you in in your athletic career? I love gadgets, so you know I can be suckered into buying anything if somebody tells me it's going to work for me and make me stronger. I'm not going to put a name on anything because really it's not the products that fail. It's me. So let's say I buy something that says, oh, this is going to improve your swimming. You need to do this three times a week and you're going to be able to cut off 10 seconds from your hundred. And I say, oh, that sounds wonderful. And I spend the money and I go get it. And then I use it once and I stick it in the drawer. It's not the product's problem. It's my problem. So I think that we tend to, if it's hard, we tend to stick it in the drawer. So I would just encourage people, you know, if somebody says, use it three times, use it three times. And then that way you can be a true judge. So I'm not one to put out any names. I think that all the products are great. I love all the recovery tools. I love, it's me. It's not, it's not the products. At this point, obviously there is lots of good stuff out there. Do you have a favorite recent, whether it be gadget or or recovery device or something like that, that, that you would like to highlight for the community? Well, for somebody who doesn't like to swim, but that doesn't love to swim, I'm not going to say that because actually that just puts negative thoughts into my head. I, I don't mind swimming. What I do like is the fact that you can now listen to music by, you know, getting one of those shock or, you know, they're, they're probably about a hundred aftershocks is what they used to call. I don't know what they call them now. They may still call them that, but you can buy them for about $130. I download my worship music on it because I like worship music when I'm swimming and it just gives me time to just stay in gratitude. That's where I try to stay all the time. And so I would, if you don't have that, I would definitely, it's so worth the money. And then you can use it on your runs too. And it's lightweight. And whoever thought that you could wear these things and they'd stay on your head when you're underneath water, but it's amazing. It's amazing. Somebody's figured it out. So now you can listen to music while you're swimming. And you can also uh, use that and, and listen to inspiring stuff. Yes. Don't bring your phone. So because if you, you know, if you do the Bluetooth one and then you have your phone in your swim bag, then you're just going to be distracted by all the calls that from, you know, work people trying to reach you. So aftershocks, uh, you said you can, you download the music to the, or download whatever you're listening to, to the headphones themselves. So they don't have to be connected to the phone. That is correct. So there's two, I guess, different kinds. I just have the older, the older model where you can just download your own music, but then other people can download their playlist now and like make it connect to your phone. But I'm not that tech. Yeah. My, my business partner bought them for me for Christmas a couple of years ago, and he he knows I'm technically challenged sometimes. And so he downloaded a bunch of worship music for me. I since learned how to mix it up and, and add my own music, but that was a beautiful gift. Oh, that's fantastic. Obviously, your experience at Coeur d'Alene might have been a little bit different as far as what you were looking to eat at, after after your experience <laughs> there. But typically, do you have a favorite thing that you like to eat after a race? I seem to be really on this side and I don't usually go to like McDonald's, but I seem to crave like a cheeseburger and French fries. So that seems to settle me or filet of fish sandwich. I don't know. Filet of fish is just like this crazy thing, but I love them after I race. So in McDonald's specifically. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. I know. Hey, that that's great. Uh, to each their own, what, whatever it might be. I know for a long time there, I was on a, a burger and fry cake after after a race, uh, so I, I can appreciate where you're coming from. I will say that as, as a podcast, we do not have any sponsors. Uh, if McDonald's is interested in having a conversation with us, we can certainly have that conversation. Otherwise, I, I think you're the first person that I've talked to that really likes McDonald's at the end of a race. That's fantastic. 
Yeah, it's it works. It seems to settle me. But so, what would you most like the world to know about you and your journey in travel? Fear is a liar. Don't let people tell you that you can't because you can. You just have to make it happen. You got to work hard. You got to make your time count, no matter what it is that you're doing. You know, God gives us enough grace for each day. So live your life in gratitude and focus on the beauty and not on the negative. Remember, um, for me, it's my faith always comes first, my family and my friends. And then everything after that is just icing on the cake. Oh, that warms my heart to hear your, your thoughts on the world. So thank you so much for that. I would like to open the floor to you as well. And I very much appreciate all the time that you've shared with us here. Uh, if other folks wanted to learn more about your journey and what you're doing and, and the, the business that you're running up to a thousand doors, hopefully here in the not too distant future, could you tell us a little bit more about how they could find more information about you? Absolutely. Um, my company is All Three Realty. And we are in uh, Georgia and we're in Alabama. We work with clients from that are international mostly, but we have a lot of domestic owners here in the U.S. Yeah, I'm always happy to answer questions. I love to talk real estate. I love to talk about business. I love to talk about triathlon. So happy to answer any questions. Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, I, I will say that professionally, I know a thing or two about real estate on the financial planning side of things. But obviously, you have a you have a much more tactical uh, knowledge base and a lot more experience than I might have. Uh, you and I might need to have a separate conversation, just talk about uh, some lessons that you've learned from investment portfolios and, and managing real portfolio or real property portfolios. I'd love to have that conversation as well, if you're open to it. Absolutely. It's important to build wealth, you know, Right now, we're just feeding the family. So that's great. Yeah, I'm always happy to answer questions. Fantastic. Well, Pam, is there anything else that you would like for the Money Mile podcast community to know about you, your journey, uh, your your experiences? No, I just uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with me. I'm just an ordinary person who loves the sport of triathlon. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity of sharing my story. Well, thank you for sharing it with us. We will certainly be following along. So uh, I am not one of the, the ones that is fast enough to be at Kona. However, we will definitely be following along. We will be sending you good thoughts and positive vibes from the community, uh, wishing you all the best in your Kona adventure. So we'll be look forward to cheering you on virtually uh, with all of that. So best of luck to you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pam, for sharing your time, experience, insights, and wisdom with us. I hope our listeners found this as valuable as I did. If you did, please share the podcast with your training buddies and friends. Keep in mind, if you work out, everything else will too. And we'll look forward to talking with you next time on Money Mile.